You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. And it is the Super Big 12 Super Friends meeting uh, we have every single week. Steven Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs is to my right. Below him, it is Linda Godfrey of Locked On Pokes. And to the left of her, it is John Williams of Locked On Sooners. Hello, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, I know we all we all anticipate Gary Patterson corner, TCU corner, as our favorite part of the week, but we actually have to start there this week because um, the biggest piece of Big 12 news I think we have right now is that Steven's been blocked by Gary Patterson. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to joke about this and we're going to talk about what's happened. And then we're going to have a, a, like an, a serious, conver- well, semi-serious conversation because I think we're all kind of, we, we've talked about some off air too, but we're all kind of in the same place uh, with the Gary Patterson thing. So Steven, I'm going to let you go first. Um, why has Gary Patterson blocked you on Twitter? It's been an interesting few days. Yeah, he blocked me on Twitter, which honestly fair. I mean, most people should. Like, I'm kind of a rebel rouser. That's sort of my <laughs> reputation. I'm an internet rascal. I get it. Like, you don't want to see my tweets. Understood. Um, on Monday, I did a podcast with my friend Matt Jennings where we basically posed the question, is it time to move on from the Gary Patterson era? Uh, which is crazy to think about. Like, I mean – TCU is literally a power five school because of him. He's done amazing things there. He won a Rose Bowl. He had an undefeated season. I could go down the long list of accomplishments, but they are three and three. They appear to be on their way to a four straight season where they're fighting for bowl eligibility. And the expectations are much higher now than they've ever been, but that's in part because of uh, what he's built and what he's done. Gary used to follow me. Uh, He does not anymore. He blocked me so that's you know that's that i have i didn't um, know he followed you yeah he follows a lot of people but he does not seem to like negative commentary which again understand um i have gotten some interesting messages from fans on twitter and from message board people uh but hey that kind of comes with the territory and we're just rolling along doing our thing go ahead john yeah, I was going to say, mad respect for asking the tough questions, whether or not uh, Gary Patterson should should move on. It's, I mean, it's one of those things like Gary Patterson can do what he wants at TCU. He's he's kind of got the blank checkbook at this point in his career there. Uh, but it's a fair question, I feel like. And I don't think it's one of those things that, that TCU boosters or administration will ask because, again, like Steven said, you're a power five con- in the Power Five Conference because of everything that Gary Patterson's built there. Uh, you know, it's one of those things like if you're Gary Patterson – do you want to go out when it's on your terms or do you want to have it, the decision made for you? Or do you want it to get so bad where it's like, now I have to leave because it's so bad. You know, I, again, it's, I think it's a fair question. It's going to be a, a difficult one for TCU fans to swallow at some point in time, because I mean, what's Gary Patterson known for it's defense. What is this defense doing right now? It's not looking good. And, and if anything, that's where you want a Gary Patterson TCU Horned Frogs team to excel. And it's on the defensive side of the football. And they just got torched for 52 points by a true freshman quarterback making his first start. All right. Pump your brakes. <laughs> you already, well, I can already hear the braggy. That was so- <laughs> I'm just stating facts. This is just facts. I, I would, I would say this is, this is, it was interesting. So last year I was kind of having this conversation, not like Gary Patterson, but it was, it was 
different about Mike Gundy. It's the idea that he has been there forever at Oklahoma State. And last year's team, Linda knows this, that was the team that was supposed to actually get over the hump because of how talented they were. Now, unfortunately, they didn't have the full spring. But I think I think we kind of realize now that they, they probably weren't going to get over the hump anyway. And so you, you'd ask the question, okay, have they topped out? Could they do better with somebody else? Is it time to move on? Despite the fact that we know he's still a good coach. This is, this feels different than that. Like we're waiting for that Gary Patterson turnaround. I was, I was kind of looking right now at his, uh, his seasons that have 11, you know, 12, 11 wins. So, you know, bookending the two, the, the 12 and one in, in 2014 and then the 11 and two in 2015, there's a four and eight, there's a six and seven. After that six and seven in 2016, there's an 11 and three followed by a seven and six. So, you know, we're kind of waiting for that Gary Patterson dip up, but following that seven and six, what we've gotten is five and seven, six and four, three and three right now. And with that, we've had the decline on defense this year. I know it's a one year thing. And also like we've joked about the comments and stuff, but I, I believe it's a sign that maybe with the performance plus the, the comments, it's trending in a direction where it's, you know, like it's, it's okay to be like, it's okay to ha- not have it anymore. They're not, they're not bad. The TCU is not a bad football program. And Linda, when I asked you, do you kind of, did you kind of get that same sense of like, okay, this kind of reminds us of the Gundy conversation, but here is where it's different. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely some, like, I identify with a lot of that feeling of like, I understand we're where we are because of him, but also is there grass greener on the other side it's always an important question but you know my coach has said some insane things too um (laughs) so it's really just if if he's going to win every four or five years is that the kind of program that you want to be or do you want him to be able to win season after season as as most people do so you know it's it's definitely a difficult conversation to have yeah, and I'll say, like, what Josh pointed out about the on-the-field stuff is really the more important thing. Like, right. the, we, we've had a lot of fun with the off-the-field stuff, and I made this comparison, <laughs> but it really is true. Like, he kind of is like your crazy uncle who just says <laughs> silly stuff. And when you're winning, like, it's sort of funny. It's like, oh, it's just – it's cantankerous Gary Patterson. You know, he doesn't <laughs> like that – I think cantankerous is a, it's a very good way to, very way to describe him. Fantastic words. Yes. When, when you're losing, it's it's really grating because it just comes off as defensive and as somebody who doesn't really understand, you know, what's going on around him, sees what's in front of him. Now, like, how much does that matter among the rank-and-file fan base? I don't know. I think it's probably something we're more sensitive to because we understand, like, as media we have a job to do and we, we kind of get, like, there's a PR aspect to being a college football coach that's very important. Um, but that, that is a fact, but honestly, like it's, my deal is the last few seasons because the offense is what struggled. I just kind of thought, well, okay, if he could ever get to a point where maybe it clicks for him or somebody could get through to him where he could say, "I, I have to change my philosophy and open things up more. And I can't, I can't keep coaching games. Like it's 1999 and I just (laughs) want to, you know, hold somebody to 13 points and win 14 to 13. But this is like. Like, Caleb Williams is a great player, a talented player. Um, But, I mean, OU, like, dudes are just running free in the secondary. You know, like, 
Kennedy Brooks, great running back, but he's running nine, 10 yards being untouched. Like the rankings and run defense and pass defense is terrible. And I mean, that's his baby. Like that's what he's done for years. So the fact that that part of it is starting to slip and the offense is actually kind of getting better, but it doesn't matter because now your defense is terrible. That's the thing that is most glaring to me is, okay, the, the thing that you've been known for for years is now deteriorating. And that's like, that's a sign that maybe something's going on. And part of that's the health of the team, but also part of it is just, I think team offenses and teams have kind of caught up to what he's doing. Well, and you can't like, if, if things are going well, you can worry about some of the things that are, are going on, like what the media is saying about you, but it just, to me, it just thinks it just looks like he's worrying about the wrong thing right now, you know, where, he needs to figure out how to get his team back on track and try and maybe make himself bowl eligible. He's worried about a, a blog piece that somebody else wrote or a podcast episode that somebody, you know, recorded. And, and like I said before, I mean, I've got a ton Good of podcast for, episode though. It so is. Like, you should I listen to locked on horn frogs, uh, <laughs> available, uh, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. But, um, I, I actually, I like Gary Patterson. I think he's a great thing for TCU. My, my big concern with any question about whether or not he leaves is what do they do next? Mm. you know yeah. who, who do they come who do they get to come in that potentially is better that can take the program to another level i don't know well that's a response that i got to like this person's like whoa what do you think wise guy like you pick somebody you tell me who's gonna be and my response to that would be like so what is the program doing really well right now and obviously i think it's they've they've done actually a pretty good job getting some really good skill talent like mm-hmm. the skill position they have three upper tier skill position players. I mean, Zach Evans, forget the conference, although this conference is known for its running backs right now. Like he's one of the best running backs in the country, period. Max Duggan's, I mean, I was not a Max Duggan guy, but this season he has really done a great job. Quinn Johnston. Dude. Tore Oklahoma apart. And I'm not sure how he's going to look at the combine. Like, I don't know if he tests like really well, but like he, he seems to have his way with basically, basically every defense he goes up against. Whether he, he gave me shade. Gave me nightmares. Gave me nightmares of Hakeem Butler. Like yeah, like just yeah, few years like, back. He he just has a way of terrorizing uh, terrorizing teams like that. So go ahead, go ahead, Stephen. Well, and I mean, I I totally get. Like I'm a realistic person. I understand that they have limitations, but I also just feel like that response of can you do better or what can you do better? Like to me, that's like if if I was having issues in any aspect of life, but like say you know in my relationship with my wife. And I was just like, well, I don't know if it can get better, so we're not going to try. Like right. at a certain point, right? You, you have to do something. Um, right. So and there needs to be a plan. He's sixty-one. Like, like yeah. he's been there forever. Well, there needs to be a plan in place for like what's going to happen. And and now is the time to start having that conversation because it can like. Here's a good example. I know I know Duke is not nearly as good as, as a program as TCU is, but David Cutcliffe has been there for too long. They had a chance to capitalize off of some of David Cutcliffe's successes in in the the you know 2010 era and they could have maybe found somebody else and that job looked a bit better and they didn't and they suck now and they're really bad and who go who wants to go coach duke football nobody does do you want to do you, in a new big 12 when you might have an opportunity to stake your claim as one of the best teams of the conference because when oklahoma leaves uh so, you know here's a message cincinnati's gonna be one of the best teams in the conference immediately mm-hmm. You have a chance. There's going to be opportunity there, and and what's going to be considered a Power Five conference. So, do you want Gary Patterson to be the guy that transitions you into the new Big Twelve, or do you want to find a way? And look, I'm not I'm not posing anybody specific here, but there are ways for TCU to recruit at the same level they're recruiting right now, 
and potentially maximize more talent. Look at another school, a religious school in Texas, Baylor. I know it's one year, but does anybody think that Dave Aranda, Eric Mateos, uh, Jeff Grimes, anybody think that staff's going to have a tough problem getting their message across to the kids that they want? No, they're going to they're gonna be what they are this year, probably moving forward. Maybe not as good, maybe a little more fluctuation, but I think the consistency is going to be there. So, Steve, that's kind of my message is they could do something about this. I think they really can. Yeah, and, and before Aranda, I mean, I know Matt Rule wasn't a household name when he got that job, but they were in about as bad of a place as you could If they can do it in Waco, you can do it. You can do yeah. it in Fort Worth at TCU. And now he's in the NFL. And another thing that makes this tricky, and I know we're, we're kind of going long here on TCU Corner, no, but, it's, it's, um, the coaching tree is also pretty stale. Like Justin Fuente is the biggest name that's come out of his staff. And I that was a, a hot name four years ago. Josh knows, as he knows some Virginia Tech people in his life, that's not necessarily who you want right now. Um, and a lot of his other assistants, because he's so loyal and because he kind of insulates the program so well, they've just stayed. Like, they've just stayed there, and they haven't really moved up and out into different places. So they're going to have to go off the map a little bit. But I think you can do it, and I agree with you. I think it's a more attractive job than sometimes people give it credit for. Well, uh, all right. Uh, what was that? There is – all right, we're, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, well, that was Gary trying to get into the restream. He was that was to, Gary. Was Gary broke into the restream, made a comment in my ear, scared the hell out of me, and has made forced me to go to break. So we're going to talk, we're going to talk about our friends at uh, at Prize Picks right now. Uh, if you'd like to bet on Gary Patterson pieces of grass complained about, you can do that at Prize Picks. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, you can bet on yards, touchdowns, interceptions, whatever you want. It's the best way to play college daily fantasy. You can download the app. It's available in most states. You can also search if it's available in your state. When you download, make sure you use the promo code Locked On. That's L O C K E D O N, Locked On, and you'll receive a 100% deposit uh, match up to 100 bucks. So do that today at uh, at Prize Picks. Download the app once again. All right, so I want to talk about the contenders, the Big 12, and I really do. We're going to give Landa some flowers here. So there has been some confusion about time. Uh, yeah, I would like no, to... you all were talking smack last week. I'm just saying, <laughs> dude, I got up, I'm like, they think Baylor's a contender over Oklahoma State. I was fired up. With did, hold on, when did I, when I, did I say this? I just remember somebody saying I think it. you must have this confused with somebody in your, my in your brain. Gary Patterson has joined the show. He's here. He's <laughs> <laughs> So I would just, so here's what I like to say. It's like, number one, I... I picked them to beat Texas. Number two, I picked them on their over. I think it was over was like seven and a half wins this year. I was like, they're going over that. I thought they would be the third team in the conversation. I thought they'd be the third team that has a chance to knock off Iowa State. Um, now, yeah, Iowa State, we talked about last week. We're putting a pin in them, but uh, they might be. Iowa State might be back. We're not sure yet. They might be back, though. But Oklahoma State, like, th- there's, there's two things about them I, w- I want to talk about. Number one. Appreciate what they've done so far because what they've accomplished is like they in Oklahoma have found ways to win games by any means necessary. Uh, I would say with Oklahoma State, it's been a bit uglier at times. Um, I think that's maybe because we considered lacking offense. Like like Oklahoma State wins a certain way; they don't win shootouts. Oklahoma has been winning some games in shootout form and some games not in shootout form. So I think there's that. Number two is okay. They're top ten. How far can this go? Can they? Can Spencer Sanders get better? And I do want to. I do want to give him some credit. Um, 
uh, who is the, a Tay Martin kind of that that game like Spencer Sanders' game looks a little bit different. If Tay Martin catches two footballs early on in that game, I think we'd think about the game a bit differently. Linda, I'm sure you'll agree. He had two really bad drops mm-hmm. on a couple really good throws. But like, what is the ceiling for this team? Because they're six and zero. They've beaten Baylor. They've beaten uh, uh, Texas. They've beaten Boise. Like they are a good team for sure. But what is the ceiling for them? Um, and kind of what's your feelings moving forward? Because like, it's a six and zero, but it's like, damn, we could be we could be a lot better than this, and we're a top ten team. Yeah, I mean, we are a top ten team. Let's be clear. But there's, um, I mean, I think there's probably capped potential regardless, just because, like you said, the offense is still lacking and like trying to figure out and Jalen Warren is a star being born in front of my eyes. I love watching him run. He's like a freaking pinball in a machine. He just doesn't go down. And that's the kind of running back that I like to see run. So I like him a lot, but if we don't figure out the passing game, then the running game can only do so much. Like we saw against Texas, essentially we just wore him down. They were already exhausted. And in the fourth quarter, we figured out a way to make it work, but uh, definitely Spencer Sanders and his receivers are going to have to step their game up if there's any kind of legitimate ceiling. I think I saw most recently the like college football bowl prediction is that we play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, which is like, I don't want to end that way. <laughs> I don't want to end against Alabama. That doesn't seem that doesn't seem fair. But uh, I think there's legit a chance that we play uh, OU twice and likely split the difference and uh, you know, see what happens from there. But I, I don't think we'll find ourselves in any college football playoffs, but I do think a really good bowl game is in our future. John, I want to, I want to ask you about like the way, so Oklahoma state and Oklahoma both did the thing where you lean on Texas and in the fourth quarter, they collapse like a house of cards. Um, shocker. It's like, you know, we all saw that coming this week. It's like, wow, if Oklahoma did that, uh, how does Oklahoma State want to play you? They want to lean on you. They're going to lean on you on both sides of the ball. Out of the defenses remaining, Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, I think they all present unique challenges. Is Oklahoma State's defense the one you're worried about the most? Because they turn you over, and they do a good job capitalizing off mistakes, and they are really tough up front. Uh, they are very, very tough up front. Yeah, I mean, I think you can say that about each of the three teams that Oklahoma will face to end of the year. I mean, I think that's going to be a murderer's row. You know, that's where we're really going to find out about Caleb Williams and about this team. You know, thankfully, he's got Kansas and Texas Tech coming up the next two <laughs> weeks to, and then a bye week to figure out, you know, to get, you know, to kind of get his feet wet in Big 12 college football before he's got, you know, the Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State run, because that's going to be tough. And I mean, I think that's going to be the stretch of games that decides the Big 12. Uh, who, or at least who represents the Big 12 in the in the conference championship game. You know, and Linda, I don't think you got to worry about facing Alabama in a Sugar Bowl because to hear the SEC people talk about it, they don't care about non-college football playoff bowl games anyway. So uh, it'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Oklahoma State's defense is legit, you know, and I think Jalen Warren's legit as well. My only question, and I've had Oklahoma State ranked number two in my power rankings over at the Sooners Wire at USAToday.com for weeks now. My only question has ever been Spencer Sanders. Now they're finding out a way to win with what he does well. And I, and I think that's, that's the key to good coaching is figuring out ways to win when not everything's going well. And so big credits to Mike Gundy as crazy as he can be sometimes, you know, he's, I think he's a good football coach too. And I I think Oklahoma state is a legitimate top 10 team. I don't think they've done it with any smoke and mirrors. They play the way they play and they win games doing it. You know, it's, it's not a lot of, 
you know, fuss and muss, a bunch of trick plays that are getting him over the top. It's a lot of Jalen Warren and then Spencer Sanders making some plays when he needs to make plays, but it's a lot about the defense and you got to, you got to respect that. I mean, defense still wins a lot of games because, you know, while the big 12 is a lot often known for its offense, there are times right now where the offense is inconsistent. You know, we've seen it with Texas, you know, they were great in the first half against Oklahoma, terrible in the second half. And that carried over into the Oklahoma state game, or at least Oklahoma state made them look terrible in the second half. You know, Casey Thompson was just kind of average. And um, you know, if you can, like limit Bijan Robinson to under 200 yards rushing. Apparently you can beat Texas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think Oklahoma state's a threat, you know, I, I, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be um, difficult to, to beat whenever uh, Bedlam comes around. I, I would Dick say this Perry. too, like the, the, the since like there is a, Mike Gundy has the sincere belief that, that Spencer Sanders gives them the best chance to win. Yeah. And he has reiterated that over and over and over and over again. And I had seen some comments like, are we sure Shane Lingworth wouldn't be a better option? Oh. Mike Gundy, I, and I, I agree. I, I'm, I'm with everybody on this. Like, I, I really do think that he's the best option. In the fourth quarter, he was in command and control of that offense. He was he was the one making all the decisions. And like I said earlier on, if those touchdowns, you know, the, the long pass and the touchdown pass that hit, we're thinking differently about this game because those are the big plays. That they, you know, they didn't hit the big plays. It's the thing. They didn't hit the big plays in the first half. And they still found a way to win the game, which is the thing. It's like, I, you just sometimes just like, man, they're just tough out. Like just, I mean, yeah. getting, getting past Oklahoma state is going to be a, a complete nightmare for, for, I feel like everybody the rest of the way. Uh, they, they, I think they basically, it's like one of those, those things. Uh, the guy I work with Gabe Iger puts in Oklahoma calls it the pain cave. And it's like, we're going to ask you, do you want to live in the pain cave? That is what Oklahoma state does. They're like, would you like to play hard hitting physical football up front for 60 minutes. I don't think you can outlast with us. And they've been the last man standing in all their games so far. Yeah. Malcolm Rodriguez put Casey Thompson down so hard that like I, I flinched and like, that's not even my quarterback. And I'm like, is he somebody check on him? Like they're still children. I have to like, I'm like still children, children playing football. Like, is he, a, that was awesome, but is he okay? Right, is he okay? Right. <laughs> and Colby Harvell Peel actually complained about Malcolm, Malcolm Rodriguez at one point. He said he was like, this dude takes all the tackles. Like, there's nobody else for me to tackle. <laughs> he's a Just, monster. He's tackling, he's tackling literally every, everybody. Um, I think I'd probably say his name every every episode. Yeah, I mean, it's he's he's unbelievable. To. He's been yeah. he's been the best play, defensive player in the conference, I think, this year uh, so far. All right, let's a couple more words from our sponsors here. And then we're going to hit on something that's non-Big 12 related as we close out the show. All right, guys, Built Bar, our friends at Built Bar. Uh, you've heard of them if you listen to any of the podcasts. But if you've not, go check them out at Built.com. They have a variety of flavors, and they have something for everybody. If you don't like, well, unless you hate chocolate, but then you're probably a communist. Uh, they have something for everybody over there at Built.com. Go check out all of their flavors right now. If you use the promo code LOCK15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, you'll get 15% off today at built.com. Also, today's show is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, it's all going on right now. And you can bet on it at betonline.ag today. Best place to get in on the action. Use the promo code locked on. That's L O C K E D O N when you sign up and you deposit, and they'll match your deposit uh, a 50%, I believe, right now it is, deposit bonus right now at betonline.ag. Betonline. It's where the game starts. All right, friends. So I just needed to, to bring this up because I've heard the variety. For some reason, there's a variety of opinion on this. Um, Nick Rolovich is no longer the Washington State head coach. 
Uh, there are two head coaches we have to talk about. Ed Orgeron's also out too, but um, no longer the head coach at Washington State is Nick Rolovich because he has decided that he is not going to get vaccinated. Now, um, he tried to get a religious exemption. That did not work. They said, uh, Governor Jay Inslee said, hey, you have to be vaccinated by Monday. He was not. And he and four other coaches were gone. And that position is now open. They've won three straight games. Um, I I think it's just, to me, it's really selfish is, is the way you have to look at this. Like, this is about you if you're making that decision because you recruited a bunch of kids to come play football for you at a school. And there is a way that you could have remained the, the football coach after not showing up at media days, being the only person that's kind of embarrassing the university. You know, like you had a way to prevent this from happening and you didn't. And I think you let it, you know, people say, oh, you know, personal choice, whatever. Like this is, in my opinion, it's a public health issue. And he did not uphold it. And John, you know this better than anybody else. He did not uphold his end of the deal. And it's sad and it's unfortunate, but if I don't think our sport needs people like that who are not going to put the health and safety of their own players ahead of their own personal values because coaches ask players a lot to sacrifice and he was not willing to do so. So John, I'll go to you first on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you listen to my show you know, for the last year, you know that in my day job, I'm a nurse. I work in the ICU. Um, I'm also a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. And in both of those instances, I'm, I'm very you know pro vaccine because one, they work. Uh, there's a lot of data out there that is bad that wants to suggest that they don't work. And yes, they don't necessarily prevent everybody from getting the vaccine, but it prevents, it gives you a much greater chance, or sorry, they don't necessarily 100% prevent everybody from getting COVID. However, you have a much better chance of not contracting it and a much better chance of not ending up in my ICU on the ventilator mm. if you get it. Secondly, I have a hard time looking at the Bible and figuring out where in scripture it says not to take a vaccine. <laughs> I think it's somewhere in Deuteronomy. I think that's where it's that's where uh that's where you can find it, right? And those same folks need to go to Leviticus where it talks about quarantining folks who are sick, sending them outside of the camp. Anyway, this is not locked on the gospel. Um, no, man, I, I I listen, I get where people are coming from, the uncertainty and all of it, because it is a new vaccine, but it's not something that's not been studied. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of research out there about it. There's a lot of data. It's a mechanism that they've been working on for years. It's just a, one of those things that they were able to fast track it because it was a public health crisis. And, you know, people talk about it being pushed through the, the, the FDA. It wasn't pushed through. It was just put on top of the stack of things that they were working through. And so, yeah, I mean, Nick Rolovich, he made a decision like, you know, the Washington you know government mandated that everybody was going to get a vaccine if they were a state employee. Nick Rolovich is a state employee. He made a personal choice not to get the vaccine. These are the consequences of his actions. To me, COVID is not a personal choice because my choice affects everybody around me. I, my kids cannot get the vaccine. So I, I got triple vaxxed mm -hmm. and so, so that I don't take what I take care of in the hospital home to them or to my church mm -hmm. or to Walmart or to the grocery store. And I'm going to end there because I feel myself getting, getting ranty and I'm going to stop. No, you're but good. That's, I, you're but good. I want to say, I will say that I do understand where people are coming from with the uncertainty of the vaccine. Mm. However, we're, we're more than willing to put a lot of things into our bodies that we don't do all the research on, whether it's ibuprofen or Tylenol or, you know, but, but people have more comfort with these things because they've been out longer. If we're going to trust the, the FDA to say that Tylenol and ibuprofen are okay, 
then why can't we also throw him a bone right. and trust him with this as well? And that's right. where I'll end it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you have the best perspective on this than, than all of us. You see it on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, Steven, your thoughts on, on what happened with, with Nick Rolovich? Well, yeah, I agree with you guys for sure. I mean, it's it's first a public health issue and just trying to protect other people, even if you don't necessarily see the need for it yourself or have hesitancy about it because of uh, the newness of it. it. It really is bizarre. Like I remember at the start of the pandemic, so many people and, and all of us really were like, man, we just, if we can get this vaccine out and how quickly can we get it out? And that's going to be, um, you know, the real key to, to slowing this down. And now there's so much fighting of misinformation over the past few months. And it's, uh, it's become a political issue, which is really sad and unfortunate, but I mean, on a more practical level, like he does, you know, there's that meme of, of like the 911 call where the guy who got stabbed says, like, what's, what's this dude going to do, stab me? Like, that feels like <laughs> Nick Rolovich over the past few months. I mean, you've, you've known what this is. This is not right. – they told you Saturday, hey, you need to get vaccine by Monday, and then on Monday you got fired. This has been a talking point for months. I mean, this is the consequence of not doing that, not taking care of that. Uh, and he is more than welcome to – stand up for his beliefs and fight this if he wants to, but uh, it cost him his job. And that is, that's what happened. Um, and I feel, I feel bad for those kids because as John yeah. said, like, you know, and as you said, like they're, they obviously do what they're supposed to do. They're working hard. They're getting on a little bit of a roll. And now your coach is, is gone in, in the blink of an eye. And a lot of them went to play for him. Like a lot of them went to play for, yeah. for you and you didn't make the sacrifice to keep coaching them. And Linda, it, it kind of brings me to you. Cause you're, you know, your coach has had some, transgressions that maybe this kind of the category in, but you know, this, he's also made last year, we saw him make some, some sacrifices to maybe do some things he wasn't in comfort. Yeah. wasn't totally comfortable with. Right. But, you know, listening to Chuba Hubbard and getting some other information right. he is not accustomed to doing. And I'm sure it was uncomfortable for him, but that was a right. sacrifice that he knew he had to make. And so that's well, kind of interesting. I, I feel like. Yeah, totally been there, been on that side. And I, I just don't, I have a whole lot of thoughts. I won't get terribly into what we dealt with last season, but in terms of like, you're a head coach, you're supposed to be a leader for, like I said, children for kids that are like Mm -hmm. going through some of the most insane parts of their life. Like, do you guys remember being 18? Like just anybody being good to me at that time, being some kind of a leader would have been probably a a huge help in my uh, life. But if you can't say, hey, I'm standing up as a leader, and I think Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach, talked about it last mm-hmm. week. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be that kind of leader. It's a privilege to be called a head coach. And I don't think uh, coaches that are risking their jobs uh, for a myriad of reasons understand that it's that privilege. And, uh, you know, it's not cancel culture. He, he, uh, it's a consequence of your own action. So, oh, well, well. Yeah, and, and, and the one and the one thing I would like to mention, Big Twelve related, is I don't see anybody in the Big Twelve taking this job. The one person, John, I could think of would be Alex Grinch because of the obviously the spent some time and a pretty. I mean, as far as Wazoo's defensive standards go, a pretty successful tenure uh, at Washington State. Um, I know there's no there's no smoke behind this. We're not we're just kind of speculating. Could you see that? I know things have you know. I know people kind of at the end of the season were saying, "Hey, 
there's a chance Alex Grinch maybe is not there for the long haul if he's able to kind of keep this defense going in the right direction. Now it hasn't gone to plan in that respect, but still a really good a really good coach and potentially an option, maybe you think. I mean, Bruce Feldman from The Athletic kind of loosely threw it out there in his piece, um, mentioned a bunch of different guys. But, I mean, yeah, he's got the connection there, but really the connection was with Mike Leach, Mike Leach. Um, yeah. you know, brought him in. Uh, it's possible. I don't see it happening. I, I think, to me, you know, it's it'd be a step down in, in job, if that makes sense, like going from mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator at Oklahoma to, you know, being the head coach at Washington State. I think that there there are going to be better opportunities for him if he continues to turn this defense around. I mean, they're starting to get four and five star defensive recruits. Like now's not the time to to leave because like we just got Gentry Williams, the, the top cornerback recruit in Oklahoma or the top recruit in Oklahoma for 2022, one of the best cornerback recruits in the country. Uh, that after getting Gabriel Brown Odindi last week, who's a five star defensive tackle, and you're like things are like heading in the right direction, and mm-hmm. Alex Rich is a big part of that. My hope is that he becomes like the Brent Venables for us, for Lincoln Riley. Like he just kind of sticks around forever and, you know, or just waits out like a really, really good job and doesn't just kind of take the first head coaching job that comes to him. Uh, and then one more job you mentioned here. We'll, we'll spend as much time as you guys want to, as much or as little. Uh, Ed Orgeron, in a weird, bizarre turn of events, has been told that he is going to be let go, uh, you know, at the end of the season. He's going to finish out the season um, as the coach of LSU. Now, it sounds like he really just had a get lost in the sauce experience, uh, to, for lack of a better term. <laughs> he was lost now. I mean, I'm not sure if you guys read the athletic article, but my God, this guy just loves women, like way, way too much. Um, and it became not it, about football. Go if ahead, Gary Patterson, if Gary Patterson is the crazy uncle, Ed Orgeron is the creepy uncle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like even even Gary Patterson's like, uh, I don't glad he's not. You know, you guys say I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's the weird one. Yeah, no, I think I think that is that's a that's a good way to put it, right? With what's with what's happened there. But go oh, go ahead. Somebody had a thought. Well, yeah, I mean, he he definitely had like a cartoon demise. I mean, this was like a <laughs> montage in a behind the music documentary. These these details about. <laughs> womanizing and, and everything else but also at the same time like let's not pretend that lsu is being sanctimonious here i mean will wade <laughs> was under federal investigation and is still the basketball coach yeah, this right. is about losing football games i I, right. I think that you know sort of sort of like gary like there's a lot of stuff you can look past if you're winning games once you start losing it becomes a big problem and, and i think that's what really went down here yeah because he didn't just start doing all this like <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Baton this, Rouge has got some stories even back to the national championship year. Yo, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, he, you know, he divorced his wife like right after the championship, which should be like kind of, kind of the best part of your life. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, yeah, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like it was, that was not. Was can not any of you guys do an Edo impression? Like, Josh, can you do no, the Edo voice? I can't. I, can't. Man, I really want to hear, like, I need a divorce or Babe, we're getting a divorce. I need a divorce. Go Tigers. It's just like, yeah. Uh, I do remember when he made a comment about like this racism's got to go. It's like no shit, dude. Like, of course, of course, racism's got to go. Great comment. We got to score more points. Edo was the dude that made the NFL put in racism in the end zone. That was his idea of like tackling, <laughs> like, tackling the pro. That guy's got a point. <laughs> really what, like, what if, what if we got rid of it? <laughs> He's like, what if we found a way, a solution, we could do it? Um, I will say this: there are some interesting Big Twelve 
potential legs. So like Bob Stoops, guys, like we gotta stop this. Bob Stoops has a television job. He he's seems so very fantastic. He's he's, he's really I, good at it. He I seems it. very happy doing it too. He seems he'll and he'll go to whatever game. He's he was happy to be at Oklahoma State, Texas. He liked it. I think he actually liked to be at Oklahoma State, Texas last week for him. Uh, so leave him out of it. The one person I thought would be interesting would be Dave Aranda, but I don't think there's enough proof of like a concept, I guess, at Baylor. I thought – I think it would be interesting if you brought Dave Aranda to LSU and you brought his staff currently, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, I, LSU fans will say Lincoln Riley. That will never happen, so they can just – they can shout it and stop saying that now. Um, do we – anybody else from the Big 12 do we think could be a part of the staff – I mean Matt Campbell. I mean he's a he's a guy that's kind of been, I you know talked about for a lot of big jobs um, as they've come open or even as they've been rumored. You know, but I don't necessarily think that he sees that as like a significant enough step up. I think the issue with Campbell and Aranda both would be, I mean, like you you kind of well at least the history there, they have dynamic personalities as head coaches and. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of them are – Dave Randa and Matt Campbell are great coaches. Matt Campbell's obviously much more proven. But neither of them seem like somebody who's going to command a room and kind of put up with a lot of the SEC politics that come with, with that job. I don't think they'd want that from what little I know about them and their personalities. How about Urban Meyer? Oh, my God, no. I just – actually, he'd be perfect there if they with, with the way that they – Yeah. That would be something if they fired Ed over womanizing and then hired Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, we just think he brings a different level of character to the program. It's like, oh, my God. Uh, I do think Mike Gundy would be interesting. Uh, in no, it's going to get rumored. It get rumored every offseason. I don't think Mike Gundy goes any – the only thing I'll say is that now that it's Chad Weiberg as our uh, athletic director – Maybe that eventually throws a wrench in the, uh, you know, head coaching job at Oklahoma State for Mike Gundy, but not after this season, I don't think. And he doesn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, he right. just he does it. That's home. I, he, yeah, he even I said agree, it this but, week. Like that's home for him. But yeah. one thing about Mike is he'll do an interview on you. Like he he yeah. likes to fly. He likes Hell to fly yeah. down there. I do it every he, off season. I'm like, <laughs> he, bro, he likes to, give me one. He likes to spin that into a couple more million dollars. He, in mullet show. Like my guy is gonna get wine yeah, and dine, and I appreciate that's what he that. likes to do. <laughs> I like the hustle. Wine and dine. He wants a couple meals with the company card. He yeah. wants you know, and he and he wants, he wants a couple, a raise a couple and extra zeros on his own contract. Yeah, he doesn't have any. And here's the thing about like. Once again, I always say this, politics aside, like I love Mike Gundy. I really, really love Mike Gundy. I find him to be a fascinating, honest – like for somebody who wears an OAN shirt, he is surprisingly honest with the media. You know what I mean? For somebody yeah. who's, who appears to have a general dis- – Was general anyone surprised? He lives in the middle of Oklahoma and he has a mullet – and yeah, people were like, I can't believe it. I'm like, what? And well, I can believe it. I, I can believe it. But the part that is surprised to me is his his willingness to be um to be open with many mainstream media outlets when he is like, oh, and the only people telling the truth. It seems very, <laughs> very contradictory. One he was, yeah, he was just confused. He saw American in the name and thought that that was like That's the one thing. Yeah, like, oh, I love it. They, they like our country, so I like uh, it. I love it. Uh, all right, friends, let's let's go around the the table and plug our our uh, our pictures, our coloring books that we've gotten in various places. John, please plug your uh, plug your content in all of its variety. 
Yeah, make sure you go to Locked On Sooners on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and the Facebooks uh, Locked On Sooners podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams and check out some Sooners coverage over at the Sooners Wire USA Today dot com. All right, Linda, I'm just laughing thinking about Coach L ending racism now. All right, Linda, go ahead. Go, Linda, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians and the show is at locked underscore on underscore pokes on Twitter and the locked on pokes Facebook page, which I'm not very good at. I'm way right. more better at Twitter. It's okay. You'll get, we'll get better. We'll keep reminding you. Steven, go ahead. I'm not sure if you need to get better at Facebook, Linda. It seems like a good choice <laughs> on your book. Uh, the show is at locked on TCU. You can get locked on horn frogs anywhere you get podcasts. And I am at Simcox Steven. Gary, unblock me, please. <laughs> you know, Gary, no do longer. it, my man. Yes, you, know, yes, like, you know you know who's no longer following at, at Simcox Steven is it's Gary Patterson. Uh, you can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. I doubt Gary Patterson will uh, follow me either. You can find the show at LO Big 12. You can find Locked on Big 12 wherever you guys get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. As always, friends, this was a great time.